Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. It's almost October. One week countdown. Take your tops off. Show your booze. Take it. Your boobies. Show your booze. Show it to us. Show us all your booze, please. Free the nipples. Free it at last. <laughs> That's going to be the new Halloween jingle. Yes, yes, it is. And we are your ghostesses. That is Corinne. And I am Sabrina. And I'm just ready. The heat wave has passed. Me too. And it is officially spooky girl season. Spooky girl season. Do you want to tell everyone that you're more about you coming to Massachusetts <gasps> and the amazing, amazing thing you just did, oh, which I'm proud of you for doing. I'm going to have a creepy girl weekend. You're going to have a creepy girl weekend. A creepy girl week. Yeah. And weekend. I can't wait. I'm going out to Boston and I'm- I'm picking you up from the airport yeah. and I'm immediately driving you away from Boston. Yes. <laughs> and what's the town called? Marblehead. Yes, of course. It's right next to Salem. Marblehead. And I'm going to like be very inspired, like do a Stephen King long walks and stuff and write a new script. Yes. You have your little writer's retreat. Yeah. On like the spooky, cold, coastal Mm -hmm. New England town. And then you and I are going to like make a cozy dinner together and watch Hocus Pocus or something together. Oh, hell yeah. Also, you have to let me know how often or how not often you want me I don't want to interrupt your flow of writing, but I'm also like, there are some things I want to do. We're going to do a lot. Yeah. And then I, and then we have a bunch of fun activities planned for the weekend where we're going to be wandering around Salem and Mm -hmm. doing some fun podcast activities. So if anyone's there the weekend of October 15th, you might see us wandering around Boston or Salem. Yeah. We should just wear and rock our podcast merch. Yeah, say hi. Please say hi. Give me my experience of being seen so I don't feel like I'm invisible. (laughs) Yeah, we'll definitely wear the podcast (laughs) merch so that people can spot us more easily. Uh, And if you haven't checked out the new merch, we added just a few items to our collection to help bring us from summer into fall and winter. And you guys – the matching sweat set like set is the freaking cutest and it's super warm. So if it's getting cold where yes. you live, it's the perfect set to keep you cozy and warm during those cold months. It's fleece lined. Yes. It's, it's warm. Like people. you can wear it's it to warm. go skiing. You're all set or snowboarding. You, you could. Or tubing. I don't yeah. know. I, every time I think about tubing though, I think about peeing my pants and, and I almost was like adver- going to advertise our, our sweat set as like, it's pee absorbent. You'll be safe. It's pretty <laughs> absorbent. Wait, when did you pee your pants? Oh, when's the last time? Not mo- not most recent. I was going to say. Um, I, I, hmm. I think we both moments know when ago. the most recent time probably is. 
Nick always gets embarrassed no, when I talk about um, my my uncontrollable bowel mo- movements on the podcast. He's like, "Don't." That's be. like you shouldn't be talking about that. And I was like, I just can't control it. It's a human it. experience. Yeah, there's one we time have, we all and we eat like you and I both have yeah, certain food issues. things that like surprise us sometimes, and you know you have 25 seconds to get to the bathroom, <laughs> and you may or may not get there, and that's no one's fault. It Wait. is what it is. Poop your pants. Gonna, it's Halloween season. I'm gonna tell a secret. I'm gonna whisper it into the microphone so okay. we can't hear it. I don't know why I'm like listening into the microphone more. <laughs> my head says here. <laughs> What is I it? had to shit myself in an alleyway recently. <laughs> How recent? Too recent. Too <laughs> recent. Sabrina. I couldn't control Were it. there cameras? I don't know. I squatted by a dumpster. Oh, how cl- how quickly did you get to go to an actual bathroom? Um, Like 15 <laughs> minutes. I'm sorry that happened to you. Thank you. It's okay. That's scarring, but it's an amazing <laughs> story to tell for the rest of your life. <laughs> oh, gosh. You know, it you happened. Go, go. Yeah. It was like I was truly about to get on the freeway, and I was like, if I get on this freeway, this car is going into the trash. So do you know what triggered it? Is it like dairy? Who knows? Latte? Who knows? Who Man. knows? I might need to make like Jerry from Ladies and Tangents and have a, a like a board that says it's been this many days since I've shit my pants. Yes. I think you and Jerry need to come up with merch together <laughs> about poop, pooping your pants. <laughs> Seems to be the, the common thread between oh, you two. <laughs> but I digress. This is not about me. This is about ghosts. That's Actually, that's a pretty it's scary story. So, but also that is a really <laughs> scary story, Sabrina. You'll have to send me like a a pinpoint. Of, <laughs> oh, you know what you should do? Uh, okay, wait. This is interesting. Okay, there's an app. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it still exists, but there is an app called Places I've Pooped. Oh, you want me to like it mark it years on? ago? Yes, you get to drop a pin wherever you poop, and I feel like that would be. I don't know. Like maybe you could add friends to that. Maybe people could follow you. It's just Jerry and I <laughs> following each other, and then you because you're curious. Well, and everybody here will get to see where you go. <laughs> that is the new fetish. I, <laughs> that might be crossing a few of my boundaries that I've set for myself. And it's it's setting a standard of like, oh, you know, God, I already just like broke a boundary just admitting it to everyone. The fact that I'm, yes, I just very publicly embarrass myself. But here I am. No, it's not embarrassing. It's normal. It's normal. I mean, I don't think. Let me know. Let, let us know in the of, comments below. Are you, how many days has it been? Recent place. Yeah. Drop a pin. Sound like the Google Maps link. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Wait. This is reminding me when I was just making the joke about the fetish and you <laughs> saying like that crosses the boundary. It made me think. I just watched the documentary Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind Mm. and they were talking about like the psychology of like the more you joke about something, the more it becomes real. So it's it's almost like manifesting when people say like, I am happy. I am happy. I am happy. They'll eventually be happy. Uh Or if you say like, oh, I have a foot fetish. I have a foot fetish. Like you eventually create that. Well, like, yes. So you create things in your mind. So maybe my point being is maybe – this boundary will be broken down <laughs> over time for you because you're you're like chipping away it just keeps happening. at that wall. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought but you were going to go back watch. to the aliens because well, I yeah, I still am. Okay. You should you should watch it. Okay. It's 
I will say. What will you say? I am, I think, as we all know, Mm -hmm. a conspiracy theorist. Sure. uh, I like to entertain those ideas and to, like, get lost in the sensationalism. Doesn't mean I necessarily fully believe in all of it, but I'm open to it, and I sometimes step a little bit over the boundary. This this documentary, I think, steps way (laughs) over it. Even I was like, what? Oh, my God. What are they saying? Where was it? Where'd you watch it? In my house, right here. No, I mean, like, what streaming site? Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Why was that, like, the most pure? On an electronic (laughs) device while sitting on my couch? (laughs) What do you mean? Um, it, it's mm. on Amazon Prime. Oh, thank you. It is called <laughs> Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind. There's like multiple, yeah. but it's Close Encounters of the Fifth ta- Fifth Kind. And then there's some extra thing, like the story unfolds or something gotcha. like that. But it's really fascinating because the whole thing is about the CE5, which like you and I just kind of recently yeah. discovered that being a thing because there's different levels of alien abduction. But we should do a whole episode about that. We should. We should. But it's <gasps> like basically it, where you have to – Okay, well, here's what I learned about it. Yeah. There's a lot of work and a lot of prep that goes into it. So okay. you and I need to start really practicing meditating mm. because you have to meditate. And basically, like you, I don't know if bilocation is like the right term for this, but like Ooh. you meditate, yeah. get into the certain plane and like attempt to make contact with alien species okay. that are out there. And then you basically like give them a view of Earth. And then like if if we were in Boston, let's say like, or or let's say like we were in Salem. Yeah. We'd give them like a – just so I don't give out my address. <laughs> like we'd give, the give Google a Max picture link. of the world in our mind. Totally. And then you zero in and then you're like, okay, now I'm in North America. Now Ooh. I'm in Massachusetts. Now I'm in Suffolk County or wherever the hell Salem is. Okay. And then like you keep going deeper, deeper, deeper until you are exactly where you are. And oftentimes, according to this documentary, every time – uh, you will experience something. And it doesn't always mean that there's just a UFO or a spaceship passing by. It could literally be a light being that's captured Whoa. in a photograph, <gasps> like right in front of your lap. It's so wild. Okay. I want to do research on this and do an episode about it and then end the episode recording us with doing okay. this CE5 event. Or you can even just be there Here's to watch the me do it. You don't have to be- partake in it if you don't feel safe. Well, this documentary, not that I believe everything on the internet, but it did say nothing bad <laughs> ever things. happened. Oh, so okay, maybe that's I will. Should we do it uh, when you're out here? We have like a full week. Yes. Okay. We can do it in a cemetery. <gasps> oh my gosh. Okay. I bet there's some cemeteries so open at night. We'll practice or something meditating we until then. Okay. All right. Deal. Well, you know, we don't always follow through with what we say, but we're going to try. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to try. So you'll find out in a few weeks. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it'll be so fun. Even if nothing happens, it's just cool to try. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And, and I feel like the more you practice things, the more like you you begin to master it. Yeah. And maybe we will experience it one time. Yeah. Okay. Before we go into stories, yeah. we also have to talk about something a little bit spooky and witchy and cool. And that is p- part of our new merch is Pyramid Scheme. <gasps> I was like, where are you going with this? The, yes. The stickers. the stickers. Do you want to tell everyone about them? Okay, it's guerrilla warfare, and it's Corinne's brilliant idea. <laughs> we are a pyramid scheme that is going out into the field and just brainwashing the world. That is the yeah. 
through stickers. Elevator pitch. <laughs> through stickers. Woo! Through really fun, colorful stickers. They are mm-hmm. pyramid scheme stickers or like get lost in the triangle stickers that say two girls, one ghost on them with like a little ghost. And there's um, a bunch of different ones on each sticker sheet. And if you order them, our ask is that you, Guerrilla Warfare, post them everywhere. Guerrilla marketing, I think. It's no, it's warfare. Prefer- it is prefer- psychological <laughs> warfare taken down the entire world. The Illuminati is going to be jealous oh, of yeah. us. It has a QR code on it to like, if people are like, what is this Illuminati triangle like pyramid scheme thing? They can scan the QR code and it. it will go to our podcast. And so our ask for all of you is during this spooky season, get a pack of stickers. Buy like a hundred sheets. I don't know. <laughs> Why not? And put them everywhere. Put them in bathroom yeah, stalls. On your water bottle. Water bottle. On your face. On your dog. Yeah. <laughs> like the the sticker boards at your local like coffee shops or yes the counters at coffee shops or at tables and there's like restaurants right. that have the tables that like it's there's like a bunch so of stickers yeah they have like the sticker walls yeah yeah if you like do a cool hike you know like there's always the boards where people put like yeah. where from on the top or whatever you're from our triangle yeah you're all also brilliant so i i also commend or i request we request that you guys send us the pictures of where you post them so that we can be like, please oh, do. look at where TGOG spotted in the wild type of thing. Oh, and here's another idea. And we'll see we'll see how difficult this is for me to figure out on the internet. Mm-hmm. But uh, And if I don't figure it out, I'll just cut it out of this episode <laughs> so no one will know. We'll, on our website, twogirlsoneghost.com, we should create like a little map where people can insert a pin <gasps> somehow. Oh, that's We'll cool. see if that's possible. Like where they put so it? So we this can is track the Google where Maps all the stickers episode. in the world are. But people are going to get confused now and start putting where they've shit themselves on the map. And well, actually, if you <laughs> if you do accidentally have to, you know, have a bowel movement somewhere you wouldn't like to, put leave a sticker. Leave a sticker behind. Put a brown pin for for the doo-doo and uh, put a green pin for, for the, the sticker. Woo! <laughs> this is brilliant. There's no qualms. There's nothing wrong with this plan. Nothing. No. And I won't hear it. So anyway. that's been poop time with two girls, one ghost. <laughs> okay. This has already been an episode about Google Maps. And it's very fitting because I would like to add, maybe perhaps we add little pins for haunted houses that our listeners have lived in and where they are mm. in the world. Because. Oh, that's a good idea. Corinne, you and I talk a lot about buying a home, a vacation home, I don't know, an underground bunker or like homes next to each other and build like tunnels in there. And yes, we are at. Did you buy us a house? No, no. <laughs> I wish, you know, one day that is now a new goal in my life. I'm going to add that to like Surprise. my bucket list. Yeah. Just, uh, hey, Corinne, I bought us a bunker. But you can only hot balloon, air balloon. Oh, my God. It's the only way of transportation. Yeah. Either that or a pterodactyl ride, your choice. Oh, yeah. There's only a landing pad for those two things, of course. And you have to take a picture of your feet upon arrival in order to gain access into the home. That's a secret code. Yes. Okay. Secret password. So we're like at that phase in our lives where looking at Zillow is just like the best aphrodisiac. It's like our turn on. We we love it. It's not the Netflix and chill anymore. It's Zillow and chill. Yeah. It's Redfin and chill. It's cry yourself to sleep at night because you're about to have $8 million (laughs) in chill. Exactly. But there's also a fear that comes with looking at property. What if Mm -hmm. we accidentally Mm -hmm. buy a haunted home? And how do we avoid doing so? This episode is a story about 
someone who accidentally bought a haunted house. And it's kind of a guidebook that by the end probably gives you zero answers. And <laughs> it's a how to avoid buying a haunted home. Because lucky for us, okay, this has already happened to many others. And thanks to their experiences, we can learn what not to do when finding and buying our perfect and hopefully um, not possessed property. Perfect timing. But also given that neither of us have homes yet. <laughs> yet. But also let me start so, with um, – It used to be practically impossible to actually know whether the dream home you just visited or put an offer in was haunted or not until it became a legal court case. And it changed some real estate laws in some states, not a lot, but some. So I present to you the story of America's very first legally proclaimed haunted house. Epic. (laughs) This is the Ackley. I love this. This is the Ackley house. It is located at One La Vida Place in Nyack, New York. The Ackley House is a short drive across the Tappan Zee Bridge, just over the Hudson River, and not far from the birthplace of the legend of the Headless Horseman, Sleepy Hollow. Yes, I did look this up on a map, and I did see right... A- they look at each other. They, yes. The towns look they at each do. other across the river, across the Hudson. So it's very fitting that the first legally declared haunted house is just a stone's throw from... A very spooky place like Sleepy Hollow. Mm-hmm. Fitting or coincidental or just plain. Yeah, I don't know. That makes sense. You know, that's totally yeah, not a coincidence. No. So the Ackley House was built in 1890. It is stunning. And I mean stunning. It's a Queen Anne Victorian home with river views from almost every room. And it has an in-ground mm-hmm. saltwater pool that overlooks the river. There are six bedrooms and three and a half baths. But then there was another article that I read that said it had eight bedrooms and four and a half baths. So either way, very spacious, lots of room for activities. Mm -hmm. It's fully renovated while also maintaining the original architecture and Victorian details like stained glass windows, hardwood floors, elaborate moldings. And I know it's haunted and I know the story I'm about to tell you, but I want to live here. It is I'm it, my dream home. And I'm here. I have some it sounds photos. like a mansion. So you can look at the photos. I'll post the we'll put the Zillow listing in the show notes on YouTube and on um, wherever you're listening podcast wise, just so everyone can look at it. But I am going to show a couple photos on the YouTube video if anyone would like to look at them. Okay, so this is the river view. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Oh, it's like right there. It's, that is waterfront property. Look at that entryway and the stairs and the Holy chandelier. Moly. It's massive. And look at the stained glass. Oh, the ceilings are so tall. I know. Beautiful. And then this Oh, look at the wood. Bathtub? The wood's carved. Are you kidding me? Dream. Dream bathtub. Soak me up in there. Soak me up, baby. Like I, that's, I, I that's get one of the things that there. pruny. When there's like a claw tub or, <gasps> or one of those like basin tubs in a listing, it's like I don't even care what the rest of the house yeah, is like. I'm I just done. want this. I'm in. I right. It is a new dream of mine to have like a gorgeous claw footed tub with a window that you can look out while you're soaking. And yes. some old timey gold framed art that looks like oh, it might be haunted. What a joy. And I want to I can't steam wait till we shower. have houses and we get to decorate. I know. <laughs> okay. So it's beautiful. As you can tell from these photos, it's gorgeous. It has three stories. It's constructed of horizontal wood paneling and is elevated above the river, has a wraparound porch, which is like so romantic and very notebook. And that's all great. And I love Mm -hmm. it. But the history of the home (laughs) is a bit of a mystery. No one's really certain who the original occupants were. The home was built in 1890, and they know that. But like 
who lived there and when and who moved in and moved out is a bit of a mystery until the 1960s. Okay, that's wild mm-hmm. because it's not like records were that horrible yeah. when it came to land and property. Like, I mean, maybe I'm wrong and I don't know much about the Hudson River, but this isn't that far from right. Manhattan. Like, I, I would assume there's a lot of, what is it, like 30, 50 miles away? Something yeah, like that. It, they're pretty it's close. Like 30 yeah. minutes. Yeah, super close. So with all the people and like really big notable names that came through Manhattan and lived in the vicinity of it when it came to like yeah. the Americas becoming a thing. You would think that there would be more record of this. Yeah, I do think I mean okay, here's here's the qualm when it comes to researching for the podcast. Sometimes we're limited in terms of like how much research has been done in the past about the certain certain haunted places, mm-hmm. you know, so it's very possible no one's really been interested in knowing who lived there before. So it's not publicly available on the Internet, whereas I'm sure yeah. I could go to Nyack, New York and like go to public record storage somewhere and try to tra- trace down the records. But true. And I'll get to a point later in the story where like they tried to come up with the names of the spirits and it, it feels a little bit like not that it's not them but it does feel like someone just found names of people in the area and didn't really necessarily look specifically at the house yeah that makes sense yeah it just surprises me because the house is so big you know massive like a mansion wouldn't everyone on the block know i think all of the houses the there are pretty big it's not the biggest okay. one <laughs> rich people yes Okay, so, right. It was built in 1890. Our story kind of begins in the 1960s. So the tenants had basically left the home unoccupied for about a decade, which no one knows why. So it's another mystery. While that isn't really certain, we do know that the home was and possibly still is haunted because there's an article that was posted in the mid-1970s by Reader's Digest And the article was called Our Haunted House on the Hudson. It was a seven-page feature from the magazine written by Helen Herdman Ackley. And again, I'll post a link in the show notes for people who are interested in reading the entire thing. But I am about to summarize most of it. I will begin with a direct quote. The article begins, I saw our house for the first time on a hot July day in 1967. A bedraggled old Victorian, it had stood vacant for seven years. Its waist-high lawn clutched about a sturdy stone foundation. Its wood-shingled roof was awry. But as I followed the real estate agent and my husband, George, into the spacious hall, I knew I was home. Which is so beautiful. dream restoration project, right? But as we all know from Haunting of Hill House, dream restoration project could also be nightmarish haunting situation. Yeah. But – I mean, it's it's so fascinating that this house that is was unoccupied for over a decade, basically, and is kind of falling apart, waist-high grass growing around it, still has mm-hmm. this, like, beautiful charm that Helen knew, like, this is home. She reminds me of Catherine O'Hara and Beetlejuice. Oh. moves in and is like, if you don't let me do exactly what I want, I'm going to lose my mind. But this is more like a sweeter. Yeah. But just like, yeah, it's like, this is the house and this is how I want it to be. Yes. And even though it might be the creepy house on the edge of the street, we're going to make changes. We're we're going to make it lovely. Warm and beautiful, which is how I feel. Yes. I also read this sentence and I was like, I feel the same way, Helen. I like just saw the pictures on Zillow and I have this feeling of like, yeah, this is home. But sadly, Mm -hmm. it is not for sale at the moment. And sadly, I cannot afford it. So. 
They bought the home before they had sold their home in Maryland. So for the first couple of months, Helen was managing selling their farm in Maryland while renovating one LaVita place, shuttling back and forth between the two. George had moved into the house kind of immediately, and Helen was back in Maryland, or kind of back and forth, with their four kids. Mm -hmm. So only George was living in the house immediately after closing. But there was one afternoon that Helen was out and about at one LaVita place when some children from the neighborhood came and approached her. And they were like walking around, like kind of looking, and she was like, hi. And they looked at her and they were like, hi, did you just move in here? And she's like, yeah, like, and I have four kids. They are planning to move out here soon as well. And she was like picking up on some weird behaviors from these kids because they were like creepily Mm -hmm. looking at this house. And they were super curious about it because it had been abandoned up until this time and pretty much had been the creepy house in the neighborhood. Right. Yeah. I'm sure all of the kids of the neighborhood were making up stories about like the monsters and the people and the ghosts that lived inside that house. Yes. So Helen laughed and it was like, do you want to come take a look inside the house? Like I'm sure you've never actually seen inside of it. And there were four kids. Two of them were like, yes, I want to go look. And the other two kind of like took a step back and were just like, no, I'm okay. (laughs) And yeah, good, smart, stranger name girl. (laughs) What year was this? 1967. Okay. So yeah, Yeah. before everybody got abducted or And it's the new new neighbors. I feel like we would go and give treats to the neighbors when they moved in. Anyway, so these two kids who are like not going in are just like, we're scared. And one of them looks to Helen and goes – do you know you bought a haunted house, ma'am? And <laughs> Helen was like laughing it off, thinking, you know, this is just the imagination of young children. You know, she's been in that, mm-hmm. you know, phase of life before where, like you said, they just make up stories about the haunted house at the end of the street. Right. But the same day, the plumber was at the house and he kind of like looks at Helen with some apprehension and hesitation on a, on his face and kind of a pale expression. And he's just like... Hey, um, how, you know, I'm ready to go. But like, how much longer are you planning to stay at the house today? And she was like, oh, you know, George is coming home from work soon. Like, I'll be okay. And he was like, okay. Um, and I was like, what's going on? He's just like, well, and at this point, the plumber had been at the house maybe for a week doing some work on mm-hmm. different things. And he goes, well, for about a week, I have been hearing footsteps above my head and on the stairs. And every oh, time I go run up to look and see who's there, there's no one. And so he was nervous that he was leaving Helen alone with an intruder in the house. I had also read, because you and I are are now switching off who's doing the larger Mm -hmm. amount of research each week, and then to supplement that so that one of us isn't just like, what's going on? (laughs) We do a, the other person does a limited amount. And I had read too that the, the plumber and other various people who'd worked in the house would kind of follow her around because they didn't really want to be completely alone alone from room to room. And I I had also read that the two little kids who had come up and talked about the house being haunted, that after the, I think it was the little girl said like, oh, do you know that you have the haunted house? Uh, The little boy that was there too said that he sees people in the windows (gasps) all the time. But again, it's like, this must be your imagination, right? Like you're a young child. Like, oh, of course you see you people in the windows, kind of like hands and faces. What we talked about earlier, the more you like convince yourself of something or say something to yourself, it, the more your brain believes exactly. it. Exactly. Right. So, you know, Helen has these two comments told to her in one day. She's just like, ah, I haven't experienced anything but like peace and serenity in this home. But that night, George gets home from work and Helen and George are going to sleep. Mm-hmm. 
And Helen like shares these stories with George and George is kind of like, uh-huh, okay. And he doesn't like push back, doesn't like say, oh, there's no way there's someone there. He just kind of like processes it. Helen then notices there's a light on in the hallway. So she gets up to go turn it off and George stops her and he's like, leave it on. <laughs> and <Ooh>. <laughs> <laughs> Helen is like, I'm sorry, since when do you sleep with a light on? Like you've never in the entire time we've been together slept with a light on. And he said- very plainly, I've started sleeping with the light on since I first moved in here, and I don't want to discuss it further. <laughs> oh my God. What happened on his first night? I in know. This house? And imagine, I mean, he was there alone for kind of quite some time. So, unfortunately, I don't think he, there's ever been a, a report from George's perspective of what was happening, but he must, I mean, he, he had experiences. Yeah. He saw things. He must have been battling so hard with his own beliefs and his pride yeah. too to to be scared enough to fully believe that something else is there or someone else is there, mm -hmm. have the light on, but to not say anything to his wife and to also stay there too. Like I feel like there'd be a certain point maybe where you'd be like, I got to pack it yeah. up. And I either have to have my whole family here or I'm not being here alone, but – Clearly, he was battling with that and didn't felt maybe embarrassed. Yeah. And also, it's scary. And like admitting it and saying it out loud is probably sometimes just a mental, it feels mentally more real to say it out loud. And it was the 60s. Yes. Things were different. So Helen, the four children, and George now officially live in the Ackley House, one La Vida place. And they grew used to the footsteps. It happened a lot. And Helen kind of found it comforting because if she was ever home alone, she was like, I kind of have a built-in patrol man. Like, I don't feel threatened by these footsteps. It just is commonplace. Mm -hmm. It feels normal. The hauntings did not stop at the footsteps, though. But again, everything that happened, I feel like they, the Ackley family was like, eh, it's not bad. So, which it sounds like the mother, Helen, was responsible a bit more for that narrative. Yes. Given that her husband was scared. Mm -hmm. The kids and the repairmen were also scared. I think it's unsettled, Sounds like she was the right? only one that was like, this is nice and fun. Yeah. And then everyone else was like, okay, I guess we'll believe it's also nice and fun to not be completely yeah. alone here. But I do think like the distinction is, you know, we say often trust your gut. And I think there's anything paranormal, something that you don't expect, the footsteps in your home when you know no one's home is unsettling. But if your gut mm -hmm. is like, but they don't mean me harm, I do think you could grow used right. to it and you're like, oh, this is not terrible. So right. the footsteps are not the only hauntings. They would have chandeliers sway like back and forth and all of a sudden stop as if an unseen hand would, would be stopping it. Doors would swing open and shut on windless days. Uh, a lot of times they would feel as if someone else were in the room. And this is, oh my gosh, this is so cool. Spooky bit cool. There was one night that Helen was standing, staring out at the river outside through a window, when suddenly she felt a chill on her right side. And she just knew instinctively that someone was standing next to her. Oh, so close next so to her. So close. It had to have been so, I'm almost picturing like shoulder arm to arm, shoulder. You know? Yeah. Like the people who just like, shrug need up next to be to touching other. physical touch. Yep. So Helen, of course, is like a little unsettled. She's nervous by it, but not threatened. And she, you know, has a feeling it's the resident ghost. So she smiles and comments, it's beautiful on the river, isn't it? Just like striking up conversation with the spirit. She then turns and crosses the hall and is like leaving the window when she feels the entity moving with her alongside her. 
Oh my God. And so then she turns to the spirit and says, thank you for sharing this view with me. I'm going to go to bed now. Good night. Kind of dismissing the spirit saying like, I I need to go alone. And when she walked to her bedroom, she walked alone and felt that the spirit had left her behind. You know, I feel like Helen was ahead of her time. Love Helen. You and I both say from hearing it from other people too, that it is helpful to speak out loud to spirits Mm -hmm. in your house sometimes and let them know like your expectation and what your boundaries are. And she was doing it. Like it came natural to Helen. Oh yeah. She was just like, hey, we can coexist here, but there are some boundaries. This is fun. Okay. Helen's daughter, Cynthia, apparently every single morning, like clockwork, would wake up to her bed being shaken. The vibration. Every morning without fail Mm. at the exact same time. And she would try to sleep in some days. And if she tried to sleep in, the bed would shake more vigorously. So just waking her up. It's like it's the, a, yeah. you don't even need an internal clock. No. It's like school starts at 7.15. Time I'm to get up. you awake at 6.30. Time to get up. And it was funny because during the Christmas holiday, Cynthia went to Helen and was like, mom, like, I don't mind it during the year because it's nice. Like it makes me get out of bed, but I, it's the Christmas break. I want to sleep in. So together they were mm-hmm. like, okay, why don't you in your room speak out loud to the entity asking them to let you sleep in. So she does. And for the entire week of Christmas holiday, the bed shaking stopped. The second Which is school so started back amazing. up again, the bed started shaking again. The bed started shaking. Mm-hmm. I had also learned that Cynthia, that's her yeah. name, right? Cynthia hadn't told her brother this either. But after the mom was saying like, hey, why don't you say out loud that it's it's your holiday uh-huh. and not to shake your bed? He goes, I think I'll try that too. And then they realized that he had also been experiencing the same thing and just hadn't hadn't told anyone. Yeah, yeah. And there was – because I think there were – I don't know the exact breakdown, but there were four kids. There was one other sibling who didn't experience it at all and like slept in Cynthia's bed later in life for like, you know, one night and same thing. Wow. Yeah. So it's kind of helpful. This is reminding me a bit of – ghosts too because it's like in the show ghosts Mm -hmm. the the spirits each have their own room yeah you know like they they'd lived for a long time with like one resident and had like eight bedrooms free or whatever and they each have their own room so i'm i'm picturing like some of the siblings having vacant rooms and that's why they don't experience anything but the spirits who were (laughs) previously in that room that like for seven years still my room yeah they're like this is still my room i guess we'll just be roommates yeah this this feels like college again help you get out of the room so i can uh, do my routine (laughs) so over the years things like this became commonplace and like we've discussed many a times before the spirit or spirits seemed to also react to construction and change in the home. There was one night where Helen was um, painting and she was alone in a room and she had Mm -hmm. gotten on the ladder and all of a sudden she felt someone come into the room. And so she was like, you know what? I'm going to start communicating about the renovations with the spirits and being like, I hope you like this. And, you know, I'm doing this because it makes me happy. And basically not asking them if they liked it, but saying, I hope you like it because then it, you know, it's, she's taking them into consideration, but also doing what she wants. So she feels the entity enter the room when she's on the ladder. And so she turns and says, I hope you like this color as much as I do. One day. Wait, can I, can I add something into this? So I, in preparation of this episode, had listened to the episode on the podcast Criminal, which covers this case. The, the legal case, yeah. but they had interviewed Cynthia, the oh. daughter, and she she was telling about how her – or she, she was describing what her mom had said in that moment, which was that she, like, felt someone peering at the ba- nape of her neck, 
And she turned around and didn't see anyone there. And she turned back, still felt it. So she like really focused on not blinking at all and like kept her eyes fully open, turned and then saw a guy that was apparently yeah, was, like yes. Okay, I'll let you. Okay. I'll let you describe it. Okay, because I didn't realize that those were the same same time. Based on the article Helen wrote, it did seem like it was a different time. Oh, maybe it was. Yeah. And I'm just misremembering. But she, yes, she, like because for most of the hauntings, they never really saw the spirits. But one day, yes, she turned and she saw the full apparition of the man who had happily been haunting the family. He was a cheerful, solid-looking man with white hair, round, apple-cheeked face, and piercing blue eyes under thick, white eyebrows. I can picture him perfectly. Santa Claus. Basically. But (laughs) he was wearing a light blue suit, a white ruffled shirt beneath it, and breeches up to his kneecaps, white hose, and shiny black pumps with buckles. So it's very of that time period in like the 1800s type of yeah clothing like right is it colonial garb almost but like yeah somewhere in between that and victorian yeah but like the powder blue suit feels like the 1800s yeah Yeah. post alexander hamilton and uh pre-titanic yeah is that the description that (laughs) cynthia said on the podcast oh of the of what he was wearing yeah I believe she had said old Victorian mm, yeah. clothing. Yeah. Which I'm not really sure. Sh- I feel like we use the word Victorian all the time, and I don't know what decades actually are encapsulated in that description. It's I feel hard. like we just say it often when it, when it comes to like olden time clothing. I know. And there's so many different types of like Victorian architecture, and like like this house is Queen Anne Victorian. So that's like a different time period than mm. a different, I don't know. Comment below. Let us know. <laughs> 1% history. Yeah. Many other guests would experience the hauntings as well. And this is one thing that I, so I did want to clarify because I saw some websites that maybe took the story a little bit further than it actually, that actually happened. Mm. Like there were, there was one website and um, I can't remember which one, but it was talking about how like these guests came to the house and all of a sudden um, one of the guests saw a ghost and dropped dead of a brain aneurysm on the floor. And it was like, oh, God, that didn't happen. At least no. I could not find anything else to back that up. And I don't think that's true. So I will say if you read things like that or hear things like that about this house, I don't think there are any deaths known to have happened on the property. And all of the hauntings do seem like they were positive. However, many other guests who did stay at the house did experience the hauntings and no one died from it at least that i know of mm. helen's cousin and his and her cousin's wife were staying and they witnessed a spirit of a man in revolutionary garb wearing a white powdered wig they also felt a man sit on the edge of their bed and and i'm imagining this is all like one long weekend and all of this stuff is happening they also witnessed <laughs> i can't remember what room they were in but they witnessed a book come off of a shelf and open midair and pages oh my god get turned by an unseen figure no way as if someone's reading. reading yes that's incredible yeah like it's not just shoved to the ground no. it's reading it it's being read yes. they're trying to flip oh i wonder i have so many more questions i feel like in that moment they probably were so spooked or just like amazed by what they were experiencing that they weren't thinking about investigating yeah. what could be the meaning of that. But I, I'm curious if they had looked, what page oh. it would have landed on? Like what clues, what, <gasps> what words, were they like, was there something circled? Like was there a name in that where oh. it's like, and then Elizabeth said, and it's like, okay, well, it's the spirit is trying to say that their name is Elizabeth. That's so interesting. Wow. Okay. 
Well, we'll have to contact the current owners and ask them to uh, investigate for us. There is also another story in this article that Helen wrote. A ghost once stole George's ham sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) Like George was like working, made a sandwich, came back, and the sandwich is just gone. And the ghost just took it. That sounds like a a children's book, doesn't it? George's ham sandwich. The ghost that stole the ham sandwich. George's ham. Yeah. Yeah. The coolest freaking experiences the ghost or ghosts would give gifts to the family like when they were expecting children or like their children were expecting children they would find gifts when cynthia who is their daughter was getting married they found a pair of silver tongs left like old silver tongs left out for them to find and no one in the family knew where they came from they were like we did not own these. I just got chills. That is incredible. It was well because aren't you supposed to? Her. Isn't that like a older tradition where you give like pewter silver? Yeah, probably as a baby yes. gift. Yes, that is amazing. Yeah. So this ghost is like Damn, part I of the family. Expensive too. Yeah, and they were never able to find a logical explanation. Like these ghosts were just mysteriously appearing, which also makes me think that the I ghost that. has like a secret stash of stuff somewhere. I'm like, where is it? Yeah. Oh, treasure. What if there's a hidden room? <gasps> Or like people are always finding hidden rooms. A wooden it's like, plank. They're like, why? Why is this room like twelve inches too short mm. when they're doing renovations? And then they <gasps> knock it down, and they like find a whole little closet or alleyway. Well, that's what people are going to find in my home one day because I am for sure building like secret rooms everywhere. I'm gonna have like a whole secret tunnel. You're gonna system. be Sarah Winchester. Yeah, but I'm gonna have. Are you watching House of Dragons? I watched halfway through the first episode, okay. and it got when yeah the mother died during childbirth i could not take it and so i stopped watching okay it's not as gruesome after that but in episode four they show there's like secret passageways behind like all the rooms and i was like so into it i was so excited maybe i'll pick it up again okay so as you can tell this ghost is just becoming a part of the family the ackleys are growing to love and cherish the ghost were ghosts. They were never really able to pinpoint who they were or what their stories were. Like I said, it doesn't really seem like anyone's done like all the research to find out who owned the house in the beginning or I'm sure the records exist somewhere. There's no records of murders, crimes or anything of the like. And it kind of just seems like this is a spirit of someone who previously lived there and just loves the home. Mm-hmm. Apparently. I thought they thought there were two spirits. So it was like the so, guy with the apple cheeks and then. Yeah. there's So apparently the family had a medium come at some point and the medium told them that the names of the spirits were Sir George and Lady Margaret. So that's what they referred to the spirits as. But it was like, in my mind, I'm like, it's not 100% that's them, but that's what the family called them. And Mm. um, I guess there were records of a Sir George and Lady Margaret in that area. So it was like, here's some proof of an evidence of people of those names living here at one point. But there's no way to like 100% know if that's them. Right. I think also what I love about this is that – so the family obviously were experiencing things when they moved in. Mm-hmm. The majority of the family members, not all of them. But certain relatives, when they would come and stay and spend the night, they too would yeah. experience stuff. Like I had I'd heard uh, a retelling of the cousin who had been scared one night and like held her, her covers up above her eyes and then felt someone – sit down on the edge of the bed so she was just like good night good night good night like holding it like go away go away good night good night good night like speaking out loud like yeah you're not supposed to be here anymore it's kind of how we felt at the driscoll hotel it's like we knew the spirits were good but we as we were falling asleep 
kind of in our heads. We're like, ah, wait, we don't want to experience anything. What's going to happen? No. Because it just, it just makes you feel a little unsettled. But yeah, I imagine anyone going to stay at the Ackley family home was like very prepared mentally or unprepared mentally because they did not want to experience the ghosts. Because it sounds it like they talked about too. it very openly. Well, that's, that's what I was going to ask. I wonder how long, because the, the family lived there for like 30 or at least the mother did for like 30 some years. Yeah. But I'm curious how long it took for them in between moving in and feeling all of the paranormal activity to like fully accepting it and advertising yeah. it. Because I don't know, like, did everyone going in who experienced stuff know and like have that in their mind yeah. implanted subconsciously that there might be a spirit? Yeah, I don't know. Or did it just happen? Yeah. I, the article was posted like 10 years after they first moved in. So I, I don't know how long it took for them to just be okay with it. I, I, it sounds like the hauntings happened immediately. And it sounds like Helen kind of embraced them very quickly. I guess it's like, what else can you do, you know? And if it doesn't mean right. no harm. Anyway. And two, in her defense, mm-hmm. like she has a whole family. And to be the scary house <laughs> on the street is a bit damaging. But if you make it like fun and cool and it's like we have really nice ghosts here, I feel like your your kids are less likely to have other kids be scared to come over. Yeah, to play. that's true. It's funny because I had a friend who like for sure had a haunted house and I was like stoked to go over growing up. <laughs> um, Me? Yeah. Gosh, I, how fun would it have been if I knew you growing up? Wouldn't it be fun? I bet you'd have a shit ton of ghost stories from my I house. I would for sure. Anyway, the Ackley house sounds perfectly wonderful and I would happily live in that home with those ghosts. But not everyone feels the same way we do. So now it's 1989, it's 25 years after the Ackleys moved into One La Vida Place, and 15 years after the article was published, and Helen was ready to downsize. Sadly, George had died after a heart surgery in 1978, and by this point, her children had all started to move out and start their own families. The home at One La Vida Place was just too large for her. And so, she listed the house with Richard Ellis of Ellis Realty, for just under $800,000. That was when a lovely young couple, Jeffrey and Patricia Stambovsky, came to see the home. And just as I did, they fell in love with it. How could you not? It was like beautifully renovated and it's massive and it's a great place to start a family. And so Jeffrey and Patricia put an offer on the house and began the closing process. They paid the down payment and moved in. And here's where I couldn't find like the specific details, but about a week after the contracts of sales were signed, Jeffrey and Patricia requested an in-person meeting at the property with the seller to, in quotes, discuss the ghosts. So I'm not clear and I couldn't quite find the details of what happened. Did Jeffrey and Patricia move in and start to experience the paranormal activity? There was one report that said that Jeffrey learned about the ghosts from a contractor, like a, someone was in the home telling them about That's the legend. That's I had heard. I think he said, here's my address. And the guy yes. goes, oh, the haunted house? You moved into that haunted place? But to me, I kind of feel like based on what happens, which I'm about to tell you, I believe Jeffrey and Patricia experienced something that scared them. Oh. Uh, because just hearing that the house is haunted, like, who are you to believe that? You don't need to believe that legend, right? But they, based on the reaction to the entire event, they they file a lawsuit against Helen Ackley. Like, 
to take such extreme measures to me with no knowledge and no way to say for certain just makes me think that they experienced something. Right. And Jeffrey apparently like was very adamant that he like didn't believe in the paranormal. But if that's so, like why did he and his wife have such an adverse reaction to a myth? Right. Well, and and the reaction so extreme as to because so from what I heard was that they did get their down payment back, but there's just there were other costs associated with purchasing the house that were non-refundable. And so that is what was being withheld. That comes later. So basically they paid the down payment, they were gonna move in, but but basically when they heard about the ghosts or experienced the ghosts, they filed an action requesting rescission of the contract of sale and for damages for fraudulent misrepresentation by Ackley and Ellis Realty. So they claimed that the Ackleys had had to disclose the hauntings and in in failing to do so, that Jeffrey and Patricia bought the house on false pretenses. Which is so unfair because how are, I don't understand how, okay, if I, if I pull myself back, I can understand from the perspective of Jeffrey and his wife being like, Jeffrey being like, okay, well, like this house is more than just buying the house. It's the reputation. Like how will that affect resale? The wife being like, I have kids. Like I don't want them to not make friends in in this new town because they live in the haunted house. But at the same time, it's like, how do you then as, as the state enforce a law or basically in court say it's your responsibility as the seller to let people know what other people might think of your Yes. House. That's ridiculous. Well, okay. And then here's the craziest part because Helen, and of course, like it's a lot of he said, she said, it's hard to know for certain what actually happened. But Helen, when, when this lawsuit or action suit is re- filed against Helen and Ellis Realty, she's furious because she's like, I made sure to disclose the hauntings to the couple. Like she was, she apparently told her realtor that she would not sign the closing contract until that information was disclosed to the buyers. And according to Ackley and Ellis, the broker telephoned Jeff Stambovsky and advised him that the house was haunted. And apparently Jeffrey laughed and said, we'll have to call in the Ghostbusters, which was a popular movie at the time. And Mm -hmm. still is. Yeah, still is. And the broker then tells Helen, hey, I told Jeffrey he signed the contract. It's all good. So Helen then signed the closing contract, uh, the contract of sale, and the house was then headed to closing. And she's like adamant. I did not sign it. And I refused to sign it until that information was told to Jeffrey. So it's like. Again. And regardless regardless of that, I had heard that she also made another comment in passing. Like when when this new family was like interested in yeah. the house, she had made a comment to the the mother who was interested in moving in, the new seller, saying like, oh, well, you have kids. Like, I hope they like the ghosts like my kids yeah. do. And Helen wrote a freaking article that was published in Reader's Digest. She's not keeping this a secret. She is very vocal about the hauntings that they experience. And she loves the hauntings and the ghosts. So like, it, it's hard. Because to me, I'm like, I, I it, there's no reason to get mad about this because like it, the case ends up fine for everyone. But it does just bum me out because it's like, I can't fathom a world and I'm, I guess I'm just team Helen and team ghosts, but I just can't fathom why Helen would lie about that 
or want to hide the fact that the house is haunted after publishing right. an article about it. But then again, at the time, yeah. there wasn't Google. So you couldn't just say like yes. one blah, blah, blah lane yeah. and find things. And if you were new to the area, I mean, even now, like I learn about places ar- around me that are newly mm-hmm. haunted and it's like you have all, all of the time and resources at your disposal. Yeah. So you have to just... That family would have had to trust that either Helen told them, which she said she did, right, or that they'd meet someone random on the street that would tell yeah. them. So Jeffrey files this action, and the New York Supreme Court dismissed it, stating that whether the house was truly haunted or not, the fact that the house had been widely reported as being haunted greatly affected its value. Notwithstanding these conclusions, I'm kind of reading like what the court said, so bear with me. Mm-hmm. The court affirmed the dismissal of the fraudulent misrepresentation action and stated that the realtor was under no duty to disclose the haunting to potential buyers. Thus, no damages were available to Jeffrey and Patricia because New York at the time adhered to property law doctrine of caveat emptor, which is Latin and basically means beware buyer. Translation, it's the buyer's, not the seller's responsibility to do their due diligence and ask every question they may have in regards to concerns about before purchasing the property. Yeah. So Jeffrey's like, hey, you know what? I'm going to test this and I'm going to appeal it. And just because at this point now, Jeffrey's not able to get his money back. And that's what he's asking for. He basically wants his down payment back, which is fair. Like if he doesn't want to live in a haunted house, fine. And he wants the money back. Mm-hmm. So he appeals it. And the court reverses the original decision, noting that there is no reasonable inspection of the home that could ascertain the existence of poltergeists on the premises or unearth the property's ghoulish reputation in the community. Therefore, the seller not only takes advantage of the buyer's ignorance, but has created and perpetuated a condition about which he is unlikely to even inquire. Enforcement of the contract in whole or in part is offensive to the court's sense of equity. So now, and this is interesting, during this appeal, The opinion made reference to a bunch of books and films with ghosts like Shakespeare's Hamlet, Ghostbusters, and the opinion basically argued that the doctrine of caveat emptor should be applied, including meaning that the seller should disclose it's haunted. So basically, Jeffrey and Patricia win the trial. They got half of their deposit back, not the whole thing, but half of it. And didn't have to live in the house. And today, the case is now known as the Ghostbusters ruling. (laughs) And it basically stated, having reported the ghost's presence in both a national publication and the local press, the defendant is a stop to deny their existence. And as a matter of the law, the house is haunted. Making one La Vida Place America's very first legally haunted home. That is wild. That is just, first of all, I can't believe they reversed their ruling. I know. That's surprising. Yeah. And also it's like, I get, I get like the whole reputation and blah, 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 blah. But like from a court's perspective, then you're, it's weird because they, they're saying that they believe, what what was the woman's name again? Helen. Helen, Yeah. They believe Helen, but they also don't. It's like, they believe Helen that it's haunted. Right. But they don't believe her that she told them that. It was haunted. Yeah. So they're like picking and choosing what they believe yeah. or not from her story. Yeah. And then it's also strange because it's like, well, if it – I get that it's about reputation, but like if you're now legally saying it's it's haunted, then isn't there like some expectation that all future 
buyers will have to be told that and that there's this expectation that they'll actually experience. Like, how do you go against that? You know, like, what if the next family moves in, they experience absolutely nothing and they're like, this place isn't haunted. Do they then have to go back to the courts and And get it legally not haunted? Yeah. Or also then like, what if they bought the house on the pretense that it's haunted and then it's not haunted? And how do you prove it's not haunted? Or if they're just not open to the paranormal and then they like are mad because they bought a haunted. Yeah. It's so complicated. And it's actually really interesting because of how, how bizarre this case is. It is frequently taught in law classes. And the case brought about a ton of publicity, which I, which is probably why it ended up going to the appeal court because they got a bunch of publicity and they're like, we need to look at this again. But mm. it kind of like everyone won because turns out a bunch of people wanted to buy a haunted home. And so they had no problem selling it again. The Ackley house has attracted quite a few creatives And this was so fascinating. I had no idea. In the 1990s, Adam Brooks, who co-wrote the screenplay for Practical Freaking Magic, lived in the home. No way. That is amazing. After that, Ingrid Mickelson Mickelson lived there. Mickelson. She sold it in 2015, listing the home for $1.9 million. And then a musician, I don't know how to say their name. Modest Yahoo. Wow. You know how to say it? Oh, I saw Modest Yahoo oh. in concert when I was like 13 years old. Oh my gosh. I've never, I love I've never heard of him. Modest. Oh, you, you've heard. Really? You've heard. Okay. Well, he's li- yeah. he lived there for four years until 2019. And it was recently, or maybe till a little longer, but uh, it was put back on the market in 2019 and finally sold in 2021 for $1.795 million. And according to the tenants of the home, after the Ackleys moved out, the paranormal encounters did not continue. But according to, I believe it's Cynthia's husband, so Helen's son-in-law, apparently as Helen was moving out, she made it very clear. She's like, I'm moving out and I'm taking the ghosts with me. So <laughs> it's very possible that the spirits went with her because she had just grown this like beautiful rapport with yeah. them. Helen, Or maybe she ended up in the house. Well, Helen herself died in 2003 and she had told her family before her death, that when she died, she would return to the home. So it's very possible, and her family even believes that her spirit resides in the Ackley home at one La Vida place. Whether or not that is true, it remains unknown. We do not know. But thanks to the Ackley house and the Ghostbusters ruling, there are some protections for buyers that can prevent the accidental purchase of a haunted home. Only some, though. So there are four states in the U.S. with real estate disclosure laws that actually address paranormal activity. Do you want to guess what four states those are? <laughs> I know it's not Massachusetts. It should be, though. Wait. Massachusetts is one of them. Wait. Someone has to tell me no. if I'm going to buy a home. No. They're- no. It's just that these oh. four states have real estate laws that talk about the paranormal. So I'll, I'll go through them. So it's New York, oh, okay. New Jersey, Massachusetts, and Minnesota. So in New York State, courts can rescind a home sale if the seller creates and perpetuates a reputation that the house is haunted and then takes unfair advantage of the buyer's ignorance. So that to me is more like if someone falsely advertises a home as haunted and tries to up the market price. Right. If you're like, come here, Zach Bagans. Yeah, it's like false advertising. He buys it and then, yeah, there's nothing going on. In New Jersey, I'm proud of Jersey for this one. If the buyer asks if the home is haunted, the seller is legally required to tell the truth. So if you're in New Jersey and you're buying a property, make sure you ask because because they legally have to tell you. And if you don't ask, they don't have to tell you. So 
it's just so that's another layer of like what would someone do in this scenario like if i moved in to the ackley house and i experienced absolutely nothing and the next person and like let's say the ackley house yeah. was not in new york but in new jersey and then i experienced nothing and then the next seller comes along and says is this house haunted do i have to say well the people before me told me it was but i've never experienced i think anything. you would do i have to like go back into its history of i think you would it is and who isn't i think the the point is if you have any knowledge of it being haunted you would have to disclose it if asked so you could you would mm. so i could say i have knowledge of the previous yeah. owners believing it's haunted but i have no knowledge of this place actually yeah like you've never experienced anything correct okay interesting and then okay so there's a lot of states have statutes regarding property facts that would cause stigma or psychological impact but only massachusetts and minnesota deliberately mention paranormal or supernatural activity as psychologically affected attributes that do not need to be disclosed. So Massachusetts is basically protecting itself, saying that like it's a psychological thing, so it doesn't have to be disclosed. Huh. I mean, that's interesting because that makes me think of like, well, that could be any elements. Mm -hmm. Like what if, what if the canyon that I'm buying a house in, what if it like is like a holler and it's just sound travels so much and it bothers me so much that I'm always hearing voices that I'm now disturbed by. You don't have to share that. It affects me. Makes sense. Yeah. Because otherwise the line, like where do you draw the line, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, I think many of us here are also interested to know not only if they have to disclose about hauntings, but maybe about deaths. And there are nine states that have laws regarding disclosure of deaths on the property. In California, sellers must disclose a death on the property within three years. So if anyone's died within the last three years. In Mm -hmm. Alaska, a death within one year must be disclosed. In South Dakota, sellers must disclose a homicide on the property. In Connecticut, Delaware, Georgia, New Hampshire, New Jersey, and South Carolina, sellers must disclose, disclose a death on the property if asked. So similar to the New Jersey haunted rule. Well, I've got a lot of family in New Hampshire, so I need to tell them that they need to start asking yes. that question. So, but I do think there's a time period, so like, or a time limit, like for most of these. So if a death happened back in like, you know, the 1800s, it doesn't have to be disclosed. It, can you get like all the details? Because that's the thing that would change my mind. Like if I said, has a death, if I were moving to Portsmouth, New Hampshire, mm-hmm. I said, has a death happened here? And someone said, yes. Could I then ask how, what was the person like? What was their end of life like? Who was around them? What was their support? Because that would change my mind, you know? Like, what if someone just went peacefully in their home? Then I'd be like, whatevs. But what if someone was, like, so angry and bitter and went out kicking and screaming and were, like, the worst neighbor on the block? Like, they're probably haunting that house. Yeah. I wouldn't want to live there. I think you could probably ask all those questions. I don't know how much they have disclosed. But that that's, like, the biggest thing and lesson I think most of us should pick up from this episode is that – it's pretty much up to the buyer to do research on the home. And mm. so all of the websites I was reading recommended ask neighbors, like go to door to door, be like, hey, what do you know about this house and the history of it? Google and research the property for any hidden mysteries and hauntings. And then trust your gut. Like I still don't know how my family almost bought that haunted house I've talked about where like every time we went to visit it, something happened to us. My dad had nightmares about it. And we were, it was truly between that house and another house. We were that close. And I don't know how we, like, our guts were screaming, like, absolutely not. And I'm glad we didn't end up buying it. Right. People are, it's just, it's easy to be in denial. Yeah. Another website recommended that you bring a trusted psychic or medium to the home before you decide to purchase it. Um, 
that's always a good idea. It doesn't hurt. All this Mm -hmm. being said, there are many people who unknowingly buy haunted homes. Like there's an entire Reddit thread about it, um, which is fun if anyone wants to go look at it. Because as we know, not everyone can see or sense spirits. And also we can't only blame the homes here because a lot of the times the people who live there are haunted, not the home, you know? True. That's my family. I, I was thinking about that the other day because I was like, I always say I live, I grew up in a haunted house, but really I should say I grew up in a haunted family yeah. because the spirits have, we like literally have proof of one of the spirits moving from one house to the next yeah. with us. Like we collect the spirits. They keep coming with us. Right. Yes. It's because it's you guys, not the house. Although I do wonder if my family. you'll leave behind ghosts at certain houses and then the house does become haunted. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, what have we learned? We have learned that you might end up buying a haunted home. And if you do, good luck. And if you do, please tell us about it. Absolutely. <laughs> Email us at two girls, one ghost podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> but that is the story of the Ackley House, America's very first Amazing. legally claimed haunted house. Such a good topic. So fun. It's so... Oh, also, we need to do some digging on the internet because I heard that there is potentially a ghost photo Mm. more recently from that house. Oh. And that is because when Helen had her, like, burial, she was buried close by to the house. And they had, like, a ceremony across the street from the house. Uh And people who were attending the funeral, like, knew about, obviously, the lawsuit, the reputation. Yeah. And people were taking photos of the funeral and of the house. And someone who had been in attendance of of this memorial service, funeral, whatever you want to call it, um, took a picture of the house. And when it was developed, it showed uh, hands and a face, like a woman peering out of the window watching the the service happen. Okay, we'll we'll look and see if we can find it. And if we can, we'll put it into the YouTube video right here. Hopefully we find it. Yeah. If not, if you guys have it, send it to us. Knows where to direct us, yeah. let us know. Wow, I would love to go Amazing. explore this house. If it, I'm, like, I might put a watcher on it. Like, if it goes back on the market, maybe one day I can Ooh. afford it. Um, because it's beautiful. Well, and also, yeah, that whole area. Oh, is yes. so beautiful. Living on the river, and I know that that part is more expensive. But occasionally, I do look at property mm-hmm. in like Hudson Valley along so the pretty. Hudson River and whatnot. And there are some huge houses right there that are like beautiful, renovated or or really like restored Victorian mansions that you can buy. Yeah. That, I mean, I guess I'm I'm talking from the lens of living in Boston, which is like in the top like three most expensive cities in the U.S. <laughs> uh, but to me, I'm like, that's cheap. <laughs> and I, I know it's not for I most know. of America. But to me, I'm like, holy I know. crap. That is I mean, I sent you the one could live in something like that. I sent you the one in Bangor, Maine, and I was like, oh, I just want to live here. I know. I was like, I can afford it. I know. I wish you bought and that. And it's massive. Right next to Stephen King? Yeah. Yeah. Just keep inching your way up mm-hmm. to New England. I'm just closer trying to get you to move here. Well, we'll see how That's I feel I after my, stay a whole week here. my trip. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, come mm. spend some time over here on this little peninsula. <laughs> it will be fun. You'll have such a good time. I'll never leave. <laughs> never. Never. Just got to get Nick on board. Yeah. Well, I got to get you on board and then I got to <laughs> get Nick on board. Everyone move here, but not not until I buy a house so I can afford it. <laughs> and then we'll all stay with you. Come after. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. What listener story do you have? Okay. This was a fun one because at first I was searching like haunted house mm. and then I was like, okay, we have thousands so of people who live in haunted houses. Mm-hmm. 
But I found one called We Almost Bought a Haunted House. <gasps> so I was like, oh, this is perfect. Hey, that's perfect. Okay, this is from Sarah. Hi, guys. I have a bit of an eerie little tale for you. I come from a military family, so I've lived in many houses over the years, but I've never experienced anything remotely like this before or anything like it since. I think it was somewhere around late 2004, my parents finally decided to just buy a house instead of renting again because we found out that our beloved home on the base was set for demolition. We're a family of five, so we needed a house big enough for my brothers, me, and my parents, plus whatever pets we had at the time. So they set their sights on the Victorian-style homes, which mm. they both loved and were plentiful in the area that they were stationed yeah. in. Yeah. Sabrina, your dream. My dream home, yeah. Your dream. For several months, we were out every weekend looking at houses in all kinds of weather, all three of us kids in tow since we had no one to watch us. Oh my gosh, wait, this is reminding me. Just a small personal anecdote. It's kind of faux pas to pee in an open house. You're not supposed to yeah. like, use someone else's bathroom in an open house. When Brian was growing up, when they went house searching, his mom told me that every single open house they went into, he peed in. <laughs> And I'm like just picturing three kids and how they're they're probably just peeing in every single house that they're seeing. I do though, like that is kind of the most fun free childcare, not childcare, but like as a kid when you were old enough to like be on your own, running around a empty house that you were like, ooh, I could see myself having this room was so much freaking fun. So fun. Yeah. That sounds like a blast. I never got to do that, but uh, I, I think I would like it. <laughs> you could do it now. Your memories, do it as, Sabrina. Do it as an adult now. Do it as an adult. Just like run with my arms behind yeah. my body. Yeah, that's a good way to have the realtor be like, don't sell it to that lady. Whoever <laughs> <laughs> she is, she's a weirdo. Your neighbors are not going to like her. She will definitely be the naked neighbor. <laughs> I, I am. <laughs> Okay. One Sunday after church, we were driving around town and found a house that my dad was instantly drawn to. It was a big two-story Victorian house from 1855, the color of Dijon mustard, kind of shabby with peeling paint and a tragically overgrown garden in the back. It needed work, but dad is one of those people who can fix anything. He could have made it cosmetically beautiful, but I doubt any amount of carpentry and repainting would have improved the cold, creepy feeling the whole place carried Mm. with it. It hadn't been decorated since the 70s, so it had all this hideous carpeting and wallpaper, and there was this crazy huge staircase near the front door, which led to the bedrooms and such. Dad was absolutely entranced by the place. Mom and us kids, not so much. This is like the reverse of Helen. Yeah. You know? Helen was like, ooh, and everyone else was like, ah. Yeah. Ooh. Ah. Ooh. Ah. Bing, bang. It was so freaking cold in that house, and at the time, it was summer in Illinois. Oh, to all these Illinois people that are listening, I wonder if anyone lives here. Yeah. And let me tell you, Illinois summers are awful. It was sticky and nasty outside, and yet the whole house was weirdly cold. I went off on my own to explore the upstairs because I quickly grew bored with the grown-ups conversation. I remember the bedroom that most likely would have been mine being Pepto-Bismol pink and everything. (laughs) Like the walls and the radiator seemed disproportionately large compared to me. The whole time I was upstairs, I felt like someone was watching. Oh. Even though I was alone at the time. As I stood in that room and tried to envision how I would arrange my stuff, I kept getting the creepiest feeling that someone was standing behind me. But of course, no one was. I hightailed it out of there and rejoined my family downstairs. And the staircase was also creepy. 
as was the upstairs laundry room, which sloped quite badly in the dining room that had pocket doors and crumbling walls was also creepy. In fact, I can only recall two rooms in the whole place that didn't give me the feeling that I wasn't supposed to be there. This staircase especially freaked my mom out. She told the realtor that she was simply worried that one of us kids could fall and be seriously injured, although she later revealed to me that her main reason was because as soon as she walked through the front door, she got hit with a vision (gasps) of a woman in a Victorian dress falling down those stupid stairs. Oh my gosh. That night, I had a weird dream about the house. My family and I were in the dining room, all wearing period clothing. Oh, oh my gosh. My mom and brothers were... It's a flashback or a vision. Yeah. My mom and brothers were sitting at a long table full of cobwebs and rotten food, still as statues. My dad and I were the only ones moving. Classical music was playing somewhere with no obvious source, and the walls were still crumbling. Oh, my God. I remember telling my dad that I wanted to leave and that I hated it there. He said, I couldn't, that we were home. Ah! I must have called my mom in my sleep because the next thing I know, she's waking me up and I didn't tell her about the dream because I was just so creeped out. Thankfully, our offer on the house – oh, my God, they did put in the offer. (gasps) Thankfully, our offer on the house fell through. So we continued our search and eventually found a cute, (laughs) non-creepy little house a half a mile or a half an hour away. Oh, my gosh. Years later, my mom, brothers, and I were all talking about that 1855 house and that's when my mom revealed the vision thing that she had. I mentioned my nightmare, and both of my brothers said that they had experienced weird dreams about the place as well. Mom also told us that the realtor had taken her aside and told her, from one mother to another, not to buy this house (gasps) because there was just something about it. And they still put an offer in. They still put an offer. Which makes me think that the dad was just like in this, like in trance. Like he was basically being possessed by whatever this the house oh was being drawn in and made to tell everyone else like oh what are you talking about like it's no big deal it just looks creepy it feels creepy because it hasn't been taken care of we'll fix it right and get this my dad had apparently rather casually remarked to my mom and the realtor that someone had died there and not from old age none of us kids were aware of any of this before exploring the place on our own my dad had always been sensitive to the paranormal, and he, to this day, still says the house called to him. Oh, my God. Exactly what I have you said. No, uh, I have no doubt that whatever negative thing was lurking in this house was specifically targeting my dad for whatever reason. I know that my paternal grandmother was involved with some dark stuff and that my dad's childhood home was haunted. And maybe that has something to do with it. My gosh. His sensitivity to this stuff seems to have been passed down to my younger brother as well. The house has since been bought and sold many times. No one stays for very long. The last time... Oh, I just got chills. <laughs> ah! The last time I went by it, no one was living there, and there was a no trespassing sign tacked to the front door. Although some work has been done on it, the house still looks run down, and most restoration efforts seem to have been abandoned at this point. Anyways, <laughs> I hope this story was sort of interesting. <gasps> yeah. Love the podcast. You guys do an awesome job. Stay spooky. Sarah. Sarah. My gosh. Well, thank goodness that they did not end up living in that house because based oh God, on Sarah's nightmare and based on the way that Sarah's dad was being called to this house and like trance-like called to it, I can only – my brain is only spiraling down negative, terrifying, horrible things that could have happened living in that home. Right. This does feel like haunting of a hill house. Yeah. Like everyone called just like called back to it and you can't leave. Right. Oh, it also reminds me of that scene in Stranger Things 
the most recent season when like the little kids it's at the old house but like when they lived there oh. and they're at the table and like the music yes. starts to play weird and when you get Vecna's yeah. backstory yeah mm-hmm. mm. I know it's all just very eerie and the fact that her nightmare Sarah's nightmare matched up somewhat with her mom's vision right like it was all Victorian era yeah this old like, whoever was there originally I don't know what happened to that family if they were practicing something dark, if they attracted something negative. Yeah, that, I don't know. Like, it's almost giving Amityville horror vibes, yeah. too. Like, who in this house, which it sounded like it would have been Sarah's dad, would have been driven mad and possessed and, like, potentially injure the, the rest family? of the family? Like, what if the vision of that Victorian woman <gasps> falling from the stairs was because she was pushed? Yeah, I don't like it. Yeah. Wow. Well, Sarah, you owe us an explanation <laughs> as to why your parents even put in an offer. Also, and it sounds like Sarah knows the house now. So I want the Zillow listing, please. Yeah. Yeah. We won't, we won't try we to don't, negatively yeah. affect the reputation. We won't. We don't say have to that share loud, it. We can just keep it to ourselves. We just we want it. This is the benefit of us being in these. Yeah. Seats. I shared a secret you about myself today. Secrets. It's only fair that you all share your secrets with us. You owe us a secret. Everyone, comment below your secret. Tell us your secret. Secret corner. Also, I was noticing earlier, when you were whispering your secret, I started whispering too. And it's like the classic thing where if you start whispering, the other person will immediately yeah. match it, even though they have no, no reason, reason to be whispering. To whisper yeah, that's so funny. Oh, my gosh. Well, this was well, a fun episode. I'm sure plenty of people have um, almost bought haunted houses or actually bought haunted houses. So if you have, mm-hmm. please, please email those stories and your secrets, your last time you pooped yourself in an alleyway stories and all of anything paranormal, <laughs> send them to two girls, one ghost podcast at gmail.com. October is next week. Demons. So, we're getting dark. We're getting spooky. Yeah, we are. We promise that uh, in November, maybe we won't tell you the darkness, but for four to five weeks, you're going to be in the dark with us yeah. as we record and tell you the spookiest, scariest yes. stories. And we may have a little special coming at some Maybe. point um, this month. Yes. So just check it check it out. Shop the merch. Put the stickers for the triangle everywhere. Yeah. Guerrilla Warfare. Uh, and follow us on social media. <laughs> yes. Uh, rate and review us on iTunes. Um, go watch our TikToks and, I don't know, share them with your friends. Um mm-hmm. Join our Patreon. Yes. Ooh. What? It will have already happened, I believe, when this came out. But each month we go live on Patreon mm-hmm. for particular tiers. It's one of the perks. And we did expose in our brainstorming uh, Halloween costumes. Halloween costumes. So if you join, you can watch that live back. Yeah. Because it will be available for replay. Yes. But you have to keep that secret. NDAs, please. Um. Thank you all for listening and watching on YouTube if you're watching. And thank you to our editors, Aiden Manning, Eric Foster, and Max Lodian and the entire team at Upfire Digital. We're very grateful for all the work you do. So thank you. And thank Thank you. you. And thank you. Uh, If you have a haunted house, invite us to it. Uh, But if not, we will see see you on the the other other side. side.